You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Good morning, church. I'll be reading from Romans 5, chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand." That is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you, but now I no longer have any work to do in these regions, and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you whenever I travel to Spain. For I hope to see you when I pass through and to be assisted by you for my journey there, once I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Right now I am traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints, because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on the way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. May the God of peace be with all of you. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We appreciate those who are serving by reading Scripture and the sacrifice that families make to give up their loved ones for a few minutes. Uh, Seriously, though, we appreciate everyone who's involved in our worship. It's, uh, it is a joy, yeah, even in tears. It is a joy. Um, we're, um, I, w- I was sharing with our partners last week, our members, that um, it's been a joy for me to particularly preach through the series in Romans. We're, some of you may be happy. Um, some of you might be sad, but we're coming to the end of the book of Romans. We've been doing this series since last fall, uh, and, and next week is actually our last sermon as we finish up the book. But personally for me, it's been, it's been a real joy not just to preach and talk, which, I mean, I guess that's there, but personally through some hard seasons for myself, I've been able to be reminded of the importance of theology. Like, Good theology, as we find in the book of Romans, it's been healing for me just to have to um, soak in these things and to be able to embody the very truths we're looking at. Like, theology is important. 
theology is not just for egg-headed people to read big books and be impressive and how much they know, but good theology is important because good theology affects how we do relationship. We've been talking about that, and today, as we near the end of the, our walk through this book, we, we're going to look at some of the wonderful things that we've, we're learned equip us on mission. That, that's really, in a sense, all the theology we've looked at up to this point Um, We're seeing how it practically applies. So join me as we pray and just seek the Lord's guiding in this. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures that teach us things, God. Um, But Lord, I pray our church, we might never be a place that just gets satisfied with knowing more tidbits and nuggets of theology and, and things that tickle our brains. And that's all fine. But Lord, it would make a demonstrable impact on how we live. And today, specifically, how we live on purpose with missional eyes. So God, I, I just, right now, uh, it, Lord, if, if not for your spirit, this is just a lot of words. None of us needs more words. We actually don't even really need more information. But God, we do need a transformed life. We need to be reminded of our centers. So Holy Spirit, I plead with you that you would take these words, as limited as they are, and, and move us closer to you. Draw our eyes to what your eyes see. And Lord, this theology would have, have just powerful repercussions moving from this center. So we thank you, Lord, for your word. And in Christ's name, we pray, amen. So we're just going to look at different aspects of what it means to be on mission. And our first point, on mission and our focus. As we look at what Paul writes about here, he, he talks about how we are to be focused through all this theology. And I'm not going to reread uh, everything here that, that Youngji read for us so well. Um, but it's important to understand as we look at this whole book of Romans, a lot of the letters that we study in Scripture that are written by Paul, he's writing the churches he started. It's pretty cool. It's like his pen pals. Um, and here's the sobering thing. I don't know if any of you are ever jacked up in your life. Uh, and I'm not going to ask you to stand up and share how jacked up you are. But some of us, maybe you struggle with guilt like I do sometimes. Like, yo, I've read all the books. I'm a Christian. Why am I so messed up sometimes? And when we might think um, mistakenly that people in the scriptures, yo, they Bible times people. They never struggle with stuff. They had people like, man, they didn't have a pastor like we did. They had like Paul. They had the man who wrote like so much of the Bible. They must never have struggled with their theology in their life. Nah, because some of the letters Paul writes are to places like Corinth, like the letters in Corinthians. They wildened back then. It was crazy. They doing stuff that would be on like some of these reality shows. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, they did not do that with that person. Like, that's Corinthians. That's so many of these different places. Paul's writing letters basically. Oh, come on now. Didn't, didn't we walk over that? Didn't I preach to you? Seriously? You're doing it? You're not getting along? Come on. How much did we talk about the brotherly, sisterly love we have in Christ? Paul's correcting. But it's important to recognize this Romans letter, that's actually not, that's not how he wrote this. Um, we actually don't know who exactly started the church in Rome. Some people say it might have been Peter. A lot of scholars actually say it was like normal, and by normal I don't diminish, everyday Christians like you and me 
who like just faithfully like helped to start this beautiful church in Rome. We don't know exactly, but what we do know is Paul's writing a letter there. And that's why there's these different uh, phrases like not wanting to build on someone else's foundation. He's wanting to make sure very clearly they know he's not walking in there like, yeah, I did all this. He's like saying other people have faithfully served to build this church. And I'm just adding on some teachings to remind you what you already know. I'm here in fellowship. You guys are my family. I love what's going on. The thing is, even as Paul has written this letter to do some teaching, maybe, it was to encourage them. Even, as he says, even boldly sometimes. But he wanted to build on what they already knew, but to remind them of why they were learning all these wonderful truths. Romans is jam-packed. Because you see here, he, he, it, this is something new that we see, but Paul's larger goal in mind, even as he's writing all these words, it was to travel to Spain. I know Spain's like a wonderful destination point now, like, you know, wonderful places. Um, but for Paul, he was thinking about Spain because in the, in the geographical map at that known time, Spain was probably about the westernmost point in the known world. So for Paul, he was thinking, how do we take this gospel? How do we take the good news to places that have not heard yet? And for him, that was Spain. So he's obviously writing to strengthen the Roman church. He given them a theology lesson. It's epic. It's beautiful. We've gone through months of it. He's doing that for Rome. But he's also wanting to strengthen them, to focus them on mission. He's writing them to strengthen them. He's given them all this good doctrinal. He's given them systematic theology class one, two, three, four, five, six, all of that so they might be strengthened so that they could remember their purpose, that they could remember they've been called on mission. It's like he says in verse 23 I have strongly desired for many years to come to you whenever I travel to Spain. So he's even saying, yeah, I'll come to you, but it's so I can get to Spain. That's like my big purpose. For I hope to see you when I pass through and be assisted by you for my journey there once I first enjoyed your company for a while. So he's pretty much just telling them his whole MO. He's like, yo, I want to come and I want to have some good fellowship with you. I want to hang with you. I've heard so many good things about the church here. So I want to come and be blessed. I want to be in fellowship. But hey, I'm also heading towards Spain, and I want you to know about that work so that you can partner with me. I want you to assist me. I want you to take all these wonderful theological truths, and we're going to put it into action in seeing the good news of Jesus go all over the known world, even to Spain. It's like when a few weeks back we had Pastor Jude from Haiti here. He was here to have fellowship, but to also give you an opportunity to hear about the great work in Haiti and how you can be involved. And, you know, just from pastoral, I don't want to brag or anything, but I was really proud of you guys because you stood up and you let Pastor Jude know that you cared for him. And many of you also gave towards the work. He was so encouraged. It was worth him to come to Baltimore to be with you for those purposes. In a couple of weeks, actually on the 26th, special treat. We have missionaries from our partners in Choshen Farms in Zambia. They're here in the States. And, and um, Bethany Colvin's going to be speaking on that day on the 26th. So make sure you're here. The part of that is to hang with you, but it's also to remind you of the great work that's being done in places like Zambia and wanting to involve partners like our church. That's what Paul's doing. 
He's, he's, he wants to go to Spain, but he realizes for it to be done well, it's going to take more than just some dude who can write epic run-on sentences. It's going to require like the whole church coming together. More stable churches like the one in Rome to partner together for Spain. And, and if you guys have studied anything about Paul, you shouldn't, this shouldn't surprise us because it's been his whole MO since he encountered life through Jesus on that Damascus road. It's been the whole reason he's lit. His driving mission in his life was to tell as many people as he could about the good news of Jesus. But we see here, he always had a specific audience in mind, the Gentiles. To be, just to make very clear, this was not an ethnic preference. This was not a social kind of like, I like non-Jews better than my. We, we know clearly even in previous sections in, in Romans, he talked about his love for his own, for the Jews. It's not a lack of love, but God has reminded him, your purpose is to share this good news with those who are not ethnically Hebrew. Because this is meant for the whole world. Like he says in verse 20, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. In verse 21, he says, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Paul's basically wanting to live out prophecy because he knows that God's whole purpose throughout his whole scriptural story, even in the Old Testament, was that this would never just be the claim of one ethnic group. It would be for the whole world. And Paul is taking that as his mission. I, and you, you might have seen there in verse 16, it starts this, this really amazing imagery. Because usually we think about sacrifices. And if you understood the Old Testament, when someone talked about sacrifices, you picture animals. You picture the sacrificial system. But Paul saying, now I get to be like a priest and my sacrifices are the Gentiles. And re- like we read earlier, right? a living sacrifice, their lives given to God are going to make so much difference throughout the world. It's just, it's just wonderful imagery. And guys, just, just very practically, I think it's a really helpful for a reminder for us as a church for what it means to, for us to be on mission at the village. Because, and you know, our, we seek to strengthen you. I hope we're a church where you're growing to know more about Jesus We have a lot of opportunities. We're going to have even more. I'm really excited, especially Pastor Julius is going to be driving some intentional discipleship efforts for you to grow in Christian education and training. Um, Man, I want you to grow. I want you to be strengthened. I want people to be talking about theology and you be like, oh yeah, I've already studied that. I already know that. We did that in our church. I've been, I, I want that. But guys, it would always be with mission in mind. It would always be learning, growing, being strengthened, remembering who God has placed us to love with mission in mind. And this is not in hate of anyone. um, But man, it is so easy for church in our modern day world to be really navel glazing, inwardly focused. Almost like we're creating like religious country clubs for those who are already in. And again, this is not meant to, I, I, I will thank God for any church that's growing. But man, if a church is only growing because they're like 
giving like seminary level education to people like, I want real deep stuff. But like, it's not speaking to those who don't know Jesus. We've got a question. Is that what the church is supposed to be? Because the church, may we learn deep. May you actually hunger. Don't send me mean emails, but you can give me, hey, I want to grow even more. Can you help me to even go deeper in theology? I love that. But may it never be just for us to say, because I want more. I want more, so I have more to give. Please give me more and trust more in me because I want eyes to be able to look at my world around me on mission. Because my desire is for the village to be a healthy, growing community. But guys, growing healthy has to involve growing outward too. We, may we never just gauge health by what's going on just in here. But it would be what's going on outside of here just as importantly. And part of looking outward in mission is our generosity. And, and that's the second point, our mission, on mission in our gifts. And let me reread this portion, starting verse 25, as we look at mission in our, in our, in our gifts. Verse 25, right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. So we, we've looked at this idea that there is no more obligation, right? That there's freedom, but that's not fully correct. There is some obligation. There is a debt of love. There's not a debt of like having to earn your righteousness, but there is now a debt of love and generosity that God has called us to. And that's, that's what he's simply saying here. Paul's explaining some of the reason he's not actually in Rome yet. He's traveling to Jerusalem. And what he's bringing to Jerusalem is from these, some of these other churches, Gentile primarily churches, they've collected offerings for the poor at home base in Jerusalem, in Judea. And Paul is bringing, and this is different than like PayPal or, hey, yeah, Paul, can you like Venmo me that stuff? Like, Praise God for Macedonia. Just here's my Venmo and, and shoot it over. I mean, you are like traveling on, on hard roads taking. So this is like a serious endeavor that Paul is doing to bring this relief collection to those who are, who are struggling in poverty now in Jerusalem. And man... It's, it, it could be easy to miss, think that this is just kind of like uh, maybe a, a, a mercy point or just the goodness of like giving and charity. But man, this is theological because all up to this point, so much of it has been about, hey, the whole way that the world operated was dividing Hebrews and Gentiles, those who were in God's family and those who were outside. But now in Christ, boom, you've been brought together. You're now family together. It's the amazing work of Christ. Those with different melanin in their skins, those with different cultural backgrounds, though men, women, poor, rich, all of you now in Christ, you are one crazy looking family. It's like the amazing good news of the gospel. But what he's bringing at home here when he's talking about money, it's like this. Um, when you go, again, every family of origin is different, but most people, when you go through something in your life, like maybe a major illness or, or some tragedy, um, usually your family are the ones who step up to say, what can we do to help 
or how can we like do like a GoFundMe or how can we draw together? But it's at those times you see who your family are, right? They're the ones who stand to take care of you or like friends who are like family, right? Many of you are blessed to have that. What Paul is saying now is in a world where you would just be generous to those who are your own. In times, hey, yeah, if you're, poor, if you're struggling through poverty, where's your family at? They should take care of you. What he's saying now is in the gospel, that family's gotten a lot broader. Your brothers and sisters are also living in places like Jerusalem. It's your responsibility to care for them. In places, other places in Scripture, it says, if you don't take care of your loved ones in need, you're worse than a non-Christian. Paul is saying part of the evidence that you have really embodied the gospel is that your generosity goes, but not just to those who the world would think you should care for. You don't need Christ to take care of your biological family, but now your generosity should also spread to those who people would kind of scratch their heads. Why, why, why are you being generous to them? They actually talk down about you. They want you to do stuff to your body to prove that you're really part of this church. Seriously? Paul, you, these, these folk wanted to kill you, Paul. Why are you being so kind? Because that's what Christ has done for us. He's welcomed us into our family where we deserved judgment. What did he do? Give us mercy, generosity. Now that we've been brought into this family, you recognize you got brothers from a whole lot of different mothers. And it, we, we are family now. And even in our generosity, we reflect that. So just, again, very, a lot of this is meant to be practical. Some of us, we get very uncomfortable talking about money in church, and I absolutely get it, especially when you got like abusive stories of abuse where um, usually pastors who are making a lot of money, oftentimes off people without a lot of money, and you're like, yeah, this is all just a scam. It dude rolling in like luxury cars and like vacation trips to like, what? This is all like a money market. This is like a pyramid scheme. This is crazy. So I totally get it when people get really nervous about talking about money in church because they're like, yo, let's talk about the spiritual stuff. Let's not be like the... But like we said, Romans is chock full of deep theology. It's epic. And what I would suggest is our view of money is one of the most practical ways that you can see if deep theological understanding has taken root within your soul. Because it shouldn't be just that you can do a Bible study better. How does it reflect in your bank account, in your wallet, in your, and how you spend money? Because if you grasp a missionally theological perspective on life, if you're looking at life through the eyes that Paul is encouraging us to, to view it for mission, it changes how we view money. And, and I think it even changes how we should think about like money in the church. So I know in our church in the past, we've done things to help people with financial literacy, like get a better handle on budgeting and finances. That's really good stuff. I highly encourage it for your own peace of mind because so many of us, the reason that you're stressed every day is you just don't know how to do money. So it's wisdom to learn how to budget, how to save, how to invest, how to give, all of these things. That's really good. But guys, I, I, I think it's really important to realize a missional focus on life. Financial literacy is not just for your own personal freedom, though it, it absolutely will do that. But it's 
You're freed so you can be more generous. Because one of the reasons some of us, your heart is fully there. You want to be generous, but you can't because you're like, I'm already like two months behind a BGE. I, I, I got no more to get. That's why it's important to learn how to do money better, not just for yourself, which is important, but so that you could live out the freedom that God has intended you to use your generosity for others. And, and it, thinking about money, it, money has a lot of purposes, but thinking like Paul is talking about money in the work of mission. So even at our church, we talked about this with our members last week, talking about our budgets. And we've got a, a little chunk in our budget for facility stuff. Because some of you men in Purdue, we, jo- we can joke about this because we love each other, I think. But man, our men's bathrooms, you really need faith to go down there. It's like, it, it's, a little, it's, a, it's a little horrifying. It is a step of faith. I don't want to like over-exaggerate that, but it is, right? But part of our desire is that we want to redo the facilities in this building. But guys, here, here's it. It's not just for you to have a better experience. I'm talking to you as if you've been here like forever. I, I, I hope you can enjoy, but it's with the idea of mission in mind. We want to do whatever we can to be better situated to love our neighbor. That if someone that doesn't know Jesus were to come in here, hey, this whole Jesus thing, it sounds kind of compelling. Oh, that music team, they're amazing. Wow, that guy's loud, but I, I can get, but then they go to the bathroom. Like, oh, no, son, this is my last day here. It, it, sounds, it sounds weird, but I mean, whatever we can do, and that's where when we put money towards these things, I need you guys to understand that it always has a missional focus in mind. Every single cent that is used in our church, how does it better equip us to share about Jesus? And just on that note, um, man, I am just incredibly encouraged by you guys who support the church um, in many ways, including financially. And I want to I wanna invite you. One of the things about having a transient church is some of you, God is going to move you on from this community. And there's always tears with that because we're like, we want to hold on to everyone because we love each other. But we realize God has sent a lot of you in different places. And Baltimore might be a stop from wherever you're going. But I would encourage you as you do that, part of the reason we're able to do what we do here is we've had many who've moved on from the village and they finally got a job. Like while they were here, they didn't, but they went somewhere else, got a job, and then they supported the village. But guys, they didn't just support it because they feel bad for us. They believe in the mission. They believe in what we're trying to do to help more people grow and strengthen to learn more about Jesus. And it's worth giving. And I just want to encourage you, even if you move on from this place, consider giving here. But always ask, is the mission being done? How can I help with the mission? So I want to share, and I know I've shared this before, so this might sound really strange, but... Um, I remember I was on uh, missions in uh, Native American missions out in New Mexico among uh, the Navajo, and there was a missionary there, and he shared something that I still stuck with. This is like 25 years ago now, right? He was giving a missions talk one night, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, you've got him right there. You're going to wrangle all of these folks into going on missions. He straight out looked at the people and said, some of you should not be becoming a missionary, I'm like, man, this guy's pretty bad at what he does. That's not a good invitation at all. Did he get the memo? You're supposed to like use this emotional moment to get that. He said, some of you are way too gifted to bake money. You should be getting a good job 
Make as much as you can. Here's the thing. World will stop right there. So you can live in luxury and you can get all of the pay channels. You don't have to just choose Chulu, Hulu, or Disney. You can get it all. It's not for that. Use God's gifts, but ask for more so you can be that much more generous. Make a lot of money, but not just for you, but realizing the more you have, the more freedom you have to be generous with others in our city, in your neighborhood, in our church, but also around the world. Make money, but have a missional posture in mind. Because it's about mission, even in our finances. That's my hope here. Everything we're talking about, how is it missionally driven, even in our money? And, but here's the thing. The reason missions is important is because missions is about people. It's about relationships. And that's our third point here, on mission in our relationships. And I won't reread all this. You can hold it open. But Paul, he's, again, he's coming to build partnerships for his mission work to Spain. That's where he's looking to go to. And if you've been in church enough, you know when we usually talk about missions partnerships, most people are like, well, yeah, you're talking about money, isn't it? Can you just say fundraising? Um, and it's true. We, the money's important, but partnership is ultimately about relationships. Partnership is we're ultimately talking about relationships. We're talking about people you walk together. That's what Paul's talking about here. I mean, we like to think of Paul as some big nerd who just loved, like, just writing theological stuff on his blogs. Like if he were op alive now, he'd be writing so many epic blogs. You'd all be sharing. It's like, wow, this dude, Paul, he's great, right? Um, but Paul's theology was always relationally oriented. It was always geared for understanding relationship with God vertically, but also understanding relationship with one another horizontally because relationships and mission, they walk hand in hand. We can't think about this idea of mission without understanding how does relationship fit into that. And you see the deep value that Paul has in relationships because he's asking for their prayer. Because one of the best ways you demonstrate your commitment to someone is by praying for them. Or by asking them to pray for you. Probably we're not going to ask anyone you don't know to pray for you. It's the people you trust the people you love, the people you know care for you, you're going to ask them to pray for you. And Paul is saying, please pray for me in this work. It's dangerous. It's hard. I need strength. I need your prayers. Partnerships. I remember back, especially the early days, we were not like, this is a church. This is, this is beautiful. And I feel like God's even growing things in different ways. But man, our first few years were brutal. A few of you were here, but it was hard. We believed we were on mission in our city to love our neighbors. But man, personally, for me, sometimes I just felt so alone in that work. I just felt like no one's in this. It's so hard. I don't know how we're going to eat next week. Like things like it was, it, was, it was challenging. But you know what would be amazing that God worked? Like in the midst of some of those hardest things, we had a whole bunch of partners around the country, literally, who would send back then texts were not as bad, but emails or calls saying, hey, Brother Dan, we're praying for you in the village. I'd be like, what? Like, yeah, we just felt a sense we wanted you to know you're not alone. I'd be like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. And, and just how powerful, even if they were not here on the ground in 21211 in Baltimore doing the work, it's as if their prayers were on the ground with us, strengthening, holding up arms, Aaron and her style, right? holding up the arms of Moses, walking forward. 
Because it's about relationships. And prayers are not just a feel-good thing. Prayers are one of the best ways we invest in relationships. Because you pray for those you have relationship with. And that's why, honestly, like when we highlight different missionaries during our prayer times, part of that's to pray, but part of that is for you to be able to become more familiar with our missionaries. Because I would like to think, hey, we'll all just pray for a real good need. Most of us won't do that. I don't do that. But you know who I pray for? People I've gotten to know. When I've sat with someone, when I've thought about them, when I've read their bio, when I think about their kids, I'm like, okay, I'm praying for them. In the same way, that's why as a church, we try to highlight stories and missions so that you will have even a little bit more incentive to, hey, I'm going to pray for them because I'm in relationship with them. Um, just on that note, I mentioned we're going to have Choshen Farms visiting on the 26th in two weeks. We're going to have after service, we're going to have a little session, just hang, hang out with the missionary. And I would really encourage you guys to stay for that. You can. It's not going to be really long, but it's another chance for you to just get a little bit more relational equity. Because I guarantee you that will deepen your commitment and prayer. So I would put that on your calendar. Plan to be there. So Paul's talked a lot about missions here. Um, and man, as I was praying for our church, I think this sermon, I don't know what it was yet. I think I was praying more than even necessarily preparing. Just different um, heavy things in my heart. Not heavy in a bad way. But man, part of my hope is that we would always support and pray for missionaries. I love it. I love that we're growing. I love that we have people like Deacon Wendy who are, who are pushing our efforts to be more globally minded. And I hope that we do that. I hope that, honestly, I want our church to grow. Part of that is I want more and more people to be committed so that more and more people are giving so that we have more and more that we can share with other missionaries. I don't know if that sounds shady or not, but that's how I view it. So I always want to see it. But man, my heart is that we would also support and pray for missionaries who are developed and sent from the village. I, I like, I'm like deeply desiring that we wouldn't just find, and that's great. I hope we always outside, but man, in the future, as we're putting up pictures, prayer requests, some of you are like, hey, it's them. Because again, there's something different when it's your own church, your own family, not better. That as we seek to grow and build a healthy church here to village, part of that fruit will be leaders, missionaries, pastors sent out from our community. Sent out to campuses, to other cities maybe, to other nations around the world. Just, just normal people sent on mission. Like normal people like you sitting right here. Missionaries like Paul. And, and I think some of you who know your biblical um, context, you might know because you were like, yeah, dude, you keep talking about Paul going to Spain. You know he never got there, right? <laughs> like as far as we know, his journey ended in Rome and it wasn't by choice. He was imprisoned and he was brought to Rome. Paul's missionary plans to go to Spain, I guarantee you he was praying and fasting a lot about Spain. He never made it there. He never got to where he thought God was calling him. And he spent his, actually his last few years under house arrest in Rome. 
And we know because we're told at the end of Acts that Paul, even though he was in house arrest, he continued to proclaim the gospel boldly. I'm imagining his prisoner or his prison guards, they're like, oh man, I got Paul again. I'm getting like two hours of sermons today. Anyone else want Paul? Because Paul would just share about Jesus continually. So we know he was faithful. But I have to imagine, because we think Paul's supernatural, but he's just a man. He's just human like you and me. I have to imagine there was a part of him that maybe even a little bit on some of his harder days was questioning God, why didn't you get me to Spain? I, I even told Rome in that letter I was going to Spain. I thought that was your will. God, I want the whole world to know. Why am I stuck here in Spain if there's a whole bunch of people or in Rome when, when there's a whole land in Spain that needs to hear about you? Because his letter to Rome was in part to build support for his work going to Spain. But guys, and we can only know this looking backwards, consider the holy irony of all of this that we've studied. I don't know how many stories I've read of pastors and missionaries who when they talk about their calling into ministry, they'll go, so many of them that I've lost count are like, yeah, as I was studying Romans, God impressed upon me the need for God to go to the nations. As I was studying this book, I couldn't help but follow Jesus to let more people know about um, what he's done in my life. That I couldn't understand as I was studying Romans that a sinner like me who was so far from God that Jesus would give up his own life to make me part of his family. How can I not take that to those who haven't heard now? Like so many I've read, their testimony comes from Romans. So think about the irony. How many people have taken Paul's words here that he was hoping to prepare him to go to Spain and it's prepared them to be on mission for the gospel, including to Spain? Because the gospel did go to Spain, even if it wasn't physically through Paul. And it's just a simple reminder that um, our path doesn't always go the way we plan it. I know for some of you, that's your story. You've had different dreams in mind, maybe even for God. And it hasn't gone exactly the way you thought it would. But guys, if I could encourage you, that doesn't mean God's not at work. Because sometimes, I've talked with a few of you, so I think this is true for maybe many of us. Sometimes we believe, man, one day I will be fully available for God's work once I get my life together. Man, I will totally be available to do whatever for God. I'll go anywhere. I'll do it. But man, I need some stuff I need to work out right now. Uh, But maybe a better way to think about it is knowing that God wants me on mission will play an integral part of helping me get my life together. Knowing that his goal is for me to live on mission, that will help me frame how I treat now and today in preparation. His village, I want you to trust that God has called you. Some of you, I, I, without a doubt, I believe God has called some of you to be vocational full-time missionary somewhere. But we, all, we know God has called every one of us to be involved on mission in some way. What will, like, what will that look like in your life? And as I was thinking about Paul, I was uh, thinking about my own life. 
Um, and I've shared, actually, I don't know if I've shared this with many of you, but, you know, you talk about a calling into ministry, and sometimes people make it a very, like, magical kind of thing. Um, mine was actually very supernatural, I think. I was in ninth grade. I was in ninth grade at a, a Christian, like, a revival camp, and I, I was not that spiritually sharp guy. I was probably the guy everyone else says, oh, man, can you pray for him? He's just ruining things for everyone else. He says inappropriate things. He's got no self-awareness. He, he probably smells. You know, whatever it might be. All I know is that after one of the messages, the, the, the leader gave an invitation. Someone here is being led into full-time ministry. All I know, it was like an out-of-body experience. I got up, I ran down, and there was a lot of prayer and all this stuff. And I believe, if I look back, that's where God called me into ministry there, as a, as a dumb little kid. But here's the thing. It took a whole lot of years to get to where I am now today. It was at, at least a whole nother decade before I even took practical steps to be trained as a pastor. Because that 10 years before that, I was crazy. I was terrible. People were doubting whether I was a Christian or not. I was leading people away from Jesus. I was really good at it. Like, I, my testimony was terrible. My witness was horrible. I had no self-control. I, I was wild and reckless. I was violent. I was racist. I was deep, a lot of his racially based hate. I hated other people. But then God intervened in my life and said, boom, that's going to change. And he changed my heart. And when people ask me, how do you know Jesus is real? I mean, I can point to all the books. I can give them a Tim Keller book. Say, just read this. But honestly, I say, where all I know for me, I could not make myself be like this. I used to hate people with a rage. I wanted everyone to feel the pain that I felt. And God flipped something in me. And that's why a church like the village, like 20 years or so after that initial call, part of why I wanted to help start this church was I wanted to see a church that was made up of Revelation 7-9, kind of multi-ethnic people. Because if you would have known younger me, you would have never been able to conceive that. You mean that guy that hates everyone? You mean he wants to start a family made up of everyone? But it didn't happen overnight. That's my point. Uh, it, it, it included a lot of mental illness and struggle. But I look back now, all of the things that I struggle through, I see more and more clearly. I don't think I'm fully going to see till I'm done on this earth but I see how God is using that to form me into the missionary he wants me to be. In the same way, I was thinking about you guys, so I was praying over this sermon, praying for our church. I genuinely believe some of you have been called to serve God in different ways. I mean, believe that for all of us, but even full-time missionaries, even full-time pastors, I believe God has called some of us to that, but I believe there's also some issues that you're struggling with. You're thinking, that could never be me. I could never do that. I'm deficient. I struggle. I've got this problem. I, I've got these issues. I've got this deep, deep. I think one of the most effective things that made Paul want to be the missionary to the Gentiles was he was a full-blown, it's all about ethnic Israel. 
He was a Jew for the Jews. Go read his testimony, right? He knew the whole law. He knew how to obey law. He was all about the chosen people of God, knowing their purpose as the chosen people of God. But God flipped him. He flipped him to one who would be the missionary. He says, I have to take this good news to all of the people. I love my Jewish brethren, but man, I need to take this to those who've never heard. So if you look at yourself and you feel, I don't have it in me, yeah, he'll use a Paul. Mabel, he even used that wacko up on front on stage. He couldn't use me. Can I encourage you to know God is at work using even the things that you consider are liabilities, detriments, familial wounds, trauma, deep pain, yourself. And I'll just put it out here. In a few minutes, I'm going to, as we respond, I'm actually going to give you an invitation to respond to however God might be calling you today. And I want to be really clear. I believe some of you, again, are being called to full-time vocational missions. Like you go somewhere fully and that's your job. Some of you, uh, I believe, are being called into full-time pastoral ministry as your job. But I think there's also tremendous room, and we probably need to do better at this, and recognizing how God is calling every one of us to be part of his work, both locally in Baltimore, but around the world, with who you are. I know, I know some of you are in, like, say, medical field, for instance, and you're like, I've invested a lot of years in this thing. I don't think, I, you know, missionary, maybe, maybe you went to seminary. Man, one of the most encouraging things I remember being overseas in missions once, and I met one of the missionaries there. He was just there on a short-term trip. He was actually an eye doctor. And he just went because his church was going, but he ultimately found out his skills as an eye doctor were so valuable in the place that he was going to, to the point now he's made it his mission to regularly go back doing eye surgeries in places that don't have availability to that. And he's just constantly talking about Jesus with people who are just really happy to get their eyes fixed. It's just amazing fruit. Honestly, there are some places around the world, some of you, you will be much more welcome than I would. Because you've got real practical skills. You've been trained in things that people want. Some of you are educators, medical, public health, whatever it might be. Some of you have artistic gifts. Some of you are singers. Some of you are musicians. You are much more marketable than I am. I'm like, I can talk. Yeah, you stay home. And what I want to pray for you is to think, why has God gifted me with these things? Some of you, it might be in your whole life, that's your job. For many of you, it might not be, but it might mean a real commitment to say, Lord, whatever I have is yours. It's for you. So I'm going to invite our music team up. And as they come up, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to give an invitation. And again, this is not magical. This is not you're signing up for something or someone's going to hunt you down. It's just I want to give you an opportunity to make a commitment And it's not hard, black and white. Realizing some of the living out of that might take a whole long time. And that's absolutely fine. But the invitation is for those of you who say, I've heard what God has done in my life. I want my life available to him, whatever it might look like for missions. Amen?
And before we come to the table, I want to give this moment to, again, soberly kind of pray. I think it would be tragic if we just came week after week and it's just kind of to do our Christian fix. But part of this, to remind us of the greater story that we're involved in. To God, for many of you, he's given you so much, but man, it's never meant to just stay with you or even just your immediate family. It's meant to be shared with the world. You have so much. So close your eyes with me for a second. I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to give an invitation. And the way I'll do it is if you just want me to pray for you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up in a little bit. Nothing, again, nothing crazy. Nothing. You don't have to say anything. Heavenly Father, as we enter your place of worship here, God, forgive us that even as a Western nation, sometimes we forget what it's all about. It's just checking off a, a list or just doing our thing. But God, remind us that we are part of a story that's been moving since before time began, designed and implemented and carried out by you, by the Christ, by people like Paul, who even in the ways they fell short were available to be used by you, and they didn't even make it fully to where they thought they should, but you used their stuff. I pray that you would do that within our church here too. Lord, that there would be future pastors here. There would be future missionaries here, Lord, as their job. But Lord, maybe even more people, Lord, who have really good jobs right here, making good money, but using that, Lord, using their time, maybe saying my vacation time is not just for me anymore. My gifts are not just for my education is not just to further me. But how could this be part of helping good news go to the ends of the earth? campuses where I would really connect well because of what I've been through. Whatever it might be, Lord, help us, Lord, to join your story and to know that you will give us exactly what we need, God, to follow through. Even as we doubt, you don't doubt. So again, this is not a crazy thing where we're asking for some commitment. It's just for you before the Lord. But if you feel like you want to receive prayer, you feel like God is moving your heart to say, I want to be available for whatever it might be for the Lord, I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now, right where, wherever you are. You don't have to come up front. Lord, we thank you for those who are hearing your call on their life and just saying as the prophet simply said here am I, send me and Lord I pray for your protection upon these folks as they have put them in your hands Lord asking for your development of them Lord help us as a church to be better of helping folks be trained for your mission's work both here in Baltimore but to the ends of the earth spiritually, Lord, sharpen our church that we want to be where you are, Lord, and you are at the places where people are hungry to hear about good news. So I pray for these folks, Lord, bless them, encourage them, fill them with your spirit, God, and to be able to hear your call clearly, even if it doesn't go exactly the way they think it should. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask all of us to stand now. I'm going to invite you to come to the table. 
And maybe you didn't respond to the invitation, but there's something stirring in your heart. The one thing we can all do is to remember who we are in Christ and say, God, thank you that I don't belong to myself any longer. I actually belong to someone who takes care of my life much better, and that's you. We remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus because he's not calling us to anything he hasn't done himself. So during the song, I'm going to invite you to come two rows through the middle, get one of these elements, bring it back to your seat, and we'll take it all together after the first song. Let's, let's sing, let's pray, let's receive the Lord's Supper together.